Pulse Audio Podcast Network. Hello, boys and girls, ladies and gents, kings and queens, and welcome to Storytime, where we're going to tell you about unknown women from history that are badass. And you probably haven't heard of. I'm Kelly. I'm Emily. And this is Whining About History, where we drink some wine and we talk about women from history that you probably haven't heard about. I'm super excited. I am too. I, uh, so, uh, you know how sometimes when people who get their periods, if they're spending a lot of time together, their uh, cycles sync up? Well, apparently Kelly and I have been doing this podcast for too long because she texted me. She's like, I'm very excited about the woman I'm covering. I'm like, ooh, can I have a hint? And she uh, tells me it's a, an indigenous person. Nope. I'm like, oh my God, I am also <laughs> covering an indigenous person. And Kelly's going to get into it, but we are drinking a wine that's inspired or made by? Question mark. We'll think it out another another indigenous culture so like like everything shit is happening you guys it's insane today is a day today is a day where everything lines up you know what we're recording on a friday leading into labor day weekend and uh everybody's like i'm going on vacation i'm like yeah we're still in the middle of a pandemic (laughs) like where are you going in the woods because that's about the only place to my parents house it's not a vacation we're putting down laminate flooring for them because we volunteered Oh, well, that's sweet of you. I remember when we went to visit, and I can't remember why we went there, but the next day we helped build a shed. Yeah, we do that. Yeah. Like, that happens when we go to my parents' house. That's fun. They keep us busy. They keep us young. It's, it's funny because we get there, and, like, 90% of the time, my mom's like, so, Justin, <laughs> I have this tech, like, this thing related to some sort of tech that I need help yep. with. Can you reset my router? How do you feel being the family uh, tech guru, Justin? He's like, I don't know. It comes and goes. It's funny, though, because I feel like people in our generation in particular, and especially younger than us, have all become the default tech gurus. Well, it's funny because I could probably help my parents, but because he's actually like in IT, they always ask him and I'm like, I'm okay with this. It's because you're a woman, Kelly. Women don't know technology. technology. What? Catherine Johnson definitely didn't get us to the moon. No, not at all. Yeah. What? You should go listen to that episode. That was a good one. I God, liked, that was I like one of our earliest her. episodes. That was like episode four or something. So I guess we'll talk about the wine instead of talking about how my parents make us do all this work. Because <laughs> it is a thing. Apparently, we were supposed to chill this wine. Oh. Um, here, let me hold it against my heart. No, like there's actually like legitimately a snowflake on here. And it says, when this snowflake turns blue, I'm chilled and ready to drink. Oh, no. <laughs> we're going to have to get one of those fancy buckets that you put the wine in. We're d- you mean a bucket of ice? No, but they have, you know, like they have like, I actually saw one at Target today that was, you know, it was like metal and it looked fancy and it came with like an ice scoop. Oh, God bless Target, you guys. Right. Okay. So this one, I should have looked up how to pronounce the wine name because I didn't. But um, we did spend we did look up 20 minutes trying to figure out how to pronounce Maori. Yeah. So it's called Matua. That's what I'm going with. And Matua is a Maori word meaning head of the family. We were the first to produce a Sauvignon Blanc in New Zealand, and our passion for the grape hasn't stopped growing. Straight from Marlboro. <laughs> I know like that's the right. Cigarette? <laughs> no, that, it's a city in Australia. Oh, or New Melbourne? Zealand. No, no, that's Australia. Mar- Marlboro. Okay. It's a city in 
New Zealand. Um, this is one drop you'll definitely want to share or keep or keep for yourself. It's that good. It, yeah, it's from like it has a little map. It's from like the upper tip of the lower New Zealand island. Oh, cool. Um, they so, knew I didn't know where that was. <laughs> neither did I. So yeah, this is Matua, which is a 2019 Sauvignon Blanc from for the last time. Marlboro, New Zealand. And yeah, it, it actually has a living wine label that you could look at, which I didn't because they kind of creep me out. But it has like a little uh, face on it. And I bet it talks. It's I like a, it looks like kind of a traditional tribal face. Right. So you're supposed to drink it chilled. I didn't notice that until right now. Here, wait. Pick some ice cubes out of no. your cherry flavored water and so throw weird. it into this white wine right so, yeah. now. And unfortunately, so we got a new wine set. So I'm supposed to tell this story before we retire. So we have we have an old wine opener that we have taken to calling the bomb because it's like a traditional, you know, electric cork wine opener and it broke and it wasn't working. So my husband like took out the batteries to try and figure out what was wrong. And when he realized the batteries were dead, instead of like, like just telling us to get a new one, he just strapped a new battery pack to the outside of the wine opener with like black and rewired tape. it so it looked like a bomb. So it, we call it the bomb. It does look like a bomb. But we were at Costco the other day and my husband saw this like nice wine set and it actually comes with like an aerator and stuff. And I was like, we don't aerate our wine. And he's like, yeah, but you drink reds. Aren't you supposed to aerate them? And I'm like, yeah, but we don't. And he's like, but now you can. And so he made me buy this new set that, yeah, is like an aerator and a closer and an opener. And so now we have a fancy set. But he's like, you have to tell this story before you retire the old one. Although I asked him, I'm like, are we actually going to get rid of the old one? He's like, no, we're just going to keep that upstairs. I was going to say that will be the non-fancy yeah, that'll be, one. That'll be the non-podcast one. That's how you know that you are not welcome in Kelly's home because she will offer you wine because that's polite. But she will give you the wine opener that looks like a, a goddamn yep. weapon. <laughs> but yeah, if you want to know what I'm talking about when I say we're getting fancy, go check out our Instagram and Facebook on the new uh wine cabinet we got yeah it looks so it's good beautiful. so we've had the shelf we've had the tea towel up like we've had this little space in the studio that's just ours because right. we do share and the then studio half of, half of my upstairs kitchen was full of wine and i was like this this needs to be fixed it was it, <laughs> it was, was, it was overwhelming. getting bad it, it was, was like, getting bad there was an entire countertop that just looked like wine and like if i didn't know better i'd be like god damn it kelly your domestic alcoholism is getting way out of control like are you drinking a right. bottle a night because well, <laughs> My standard wine consumption, we literally have a, we do have a wine rack upstairs, but it only holds four bottles. That's Which it. is one month of episodes for us. And I was getting boxes by the dozen. Right. And I tend to buy usually four bottles at a time. Yeah. So, yeah. So I like texted Emily one day and I'm like, so I found this thing. What do you think? And then we got it. And, and that it looked, looked really, very really nice. snazzy. It looks it amazing. Showed up. I assembled it. It looks very, very nice. And it's got our little cork. Yeah, I kind of rearranged our and our glasses can live down here. I'm very happy. And then yeah. it's got all of our like uh, pod swag stickers. Sorry, I'm I'm tur- the thing is directly behind me, is. so I'm trying to comment while turning to the side and still speaking into the mic while looking at it, which I'm realizing is physically impossible. Speaking of that, you guys will get to see it because coming in like a month, I think we're gonna release the first one in the beginning of October or the end of September. We're gonna do a special Patreon only. Basically, it's not gonna be live. I I want to say live, but it's not live recorded podcast where you'll actually like see us like it'll be a video not just we're adding the v to the a bitches 
Yeah, there you go. That's, yeah. that's a good way to put it. So yeah, so if you're a Patreon member, you'll get those starting soon. And yeah, there's, yeah, so there's we're, a whole bunch going on. So I mean, I guess this is uh, a great time. <laughs> this is to, the announcement section. Here, here, here's our sewing circle where we're all just going to catch up on what's going on. We're going to gather. Bitch, we're we're not going to bitch. I kind of like that stitch and bitch, though. That's a thing. Yeah. No, no, no. no. I've been oh. to one. It was great. Yeah, they're fun. But this this will be like our tea table session. And uh, that's actually also going to tie into our Patreon announcement. So stay tuned. So if you already haven't seen it, we have merch. Yay, merch. We have shirts. We have totes. We have face masks. We've got yeah, a little bit of everything. Yeah, we've got a ton of stuff. Uh, we're still kind of coming up with designs, too. But we've got some basic ones. We've got our Herstory Hero design. We have our logo design. Yep. And we also have our Herstory is happening design. Which is um, just on a tote in a mug, but it's real cute. Yeah, it's or because real cute. it's because I still can't add it to a shirt because I can't add text, so I can't add our name to the back of the shirt. You'll have to show or, me yeah, how to gonna, fucking figure it out because I I spent like an hour and I'm like I don't understand so, and I kept so looking now at you tutorials. Can tell who made which thing? Yeah, okay. I kept like looking up tutorials and there's like no, you just type and I'm like that's not how it's working for me. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Anyway, but uh, you can find our merch uh, through our Linktree link. You can also yep. find it through our website. There's yep. just a shop navigation option. And if you go to Teespring.com and search whining about her street, you can find it that way too. Yep. Uh, we are also rolling out some new Patreon exclusive content. Like Kelly said, we are going to be uh, doing a an audio visual episode once a month. And we're going to, for that, we're going to like do fun dress up days. Yep. And if you're on our Patreon. You'll get to vote on what we wear. Yeah. Well, we'll give you like a few options and you can tell us, mm, we'll no, give I want you, like, them to wear. Themes. We're not going to be yeah. like, these are my outfits. No, we're going to give you like a theme and then we're going to figure out what we have in our closet. I want them to wear penis crowns, bachelorette party, renaissance, Uh, Halloween, fancy 90s i don't know there's right. like we'll a ton of different stuff yeah. that or we're if coming you have up like options if you like have something and yeah message like, hey, us if there's a theme you know. want us to want to see us we'll figure it out we'll make it happen we know where the thrift stores are uh yeah, and then we are also rolling out one bonus episode every month and that's going to be our herstory happening yeah i was like i came up with the name and i texted it to you and i was like is she gonna say it or is she just gonna no, be like i okay, love good. that yeah. i love that so on our regular episodes we cover women and their stories and in a lot of that they're in these different events yep. and these different we, things go we kind on of around touch them. on we're like oh there's this happening and then we're just kind of like but that you know she's kind of involved but not really so this is going to be those events that are historically important or historically important, <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'll announce the first one. The first one's going to be the Seneca Falls Convention, which we have talked about so much so on this times. podcast, especially the National Women's Hall of Fame, which is there because of the convention. Right. And it was so and we're doing this. Kelly and I are switching off every month. So the first month I'm going to do it and then Kelly's going to do one. It's not going to be like our normal ones where we each do a story. We're just, you know, it's just a little it's bonus be one content. person. Telling, telling a story. Telling a story. While we drink the other person responds. Exactly. Yeah. And that'll be... So basically, you'll be Patreon content every two weeks. So at the beginning of the month, it'll be the video. And then at the end or at the end of the month, it'll be the historical happenings. No, we're going to swap Other way that. around. Yeah. 
because whatever i'm i'm ready for the bonus episode i'm not ready for the video yet <laughs> true story which we are we are actually going to pick our theme for the first video just because we want to make sure this gets out there but then we'll start doing polls on our right. patreon and this is you get access to this for as little as one dollar a month one dollar one dollar seriously if you subscribe to our patreon for as little as one dollar a month you get access to all this bonus content obviously the higher you subscribe the more treats and tricks and swag and fun stuff you get but you can get our audio visual episodes and you can get a bonus episode every month about a herstory happening from your favorite herstory heroes right and we'll probably be adding more stuff as we go yeah we're, know, we're as just, we think of things we're just rolling some things out making sure it's sustainable because obviously my juice box episodes crashed and burned and they're maybe buried. maybe one day uh, we'll see long in the future so on more announcements we are going to be taking a break just kind of due to things happening in life we're going to take a we're just gonna have a one-week hiatus the week of the 21st so normally an episode would come out on monday the 21st but we're going to take a little break, just catch up on some work, catch up on life. Catch you up know, on school, even though it's only been a week and I already feel like I'm behind. <laughs> um, Welcome to my life. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I was How telling, Emily, I was telling <laughs> Emily, I'm like, my life is now work, school, podcast, maybe socialization if I can fit it in. Yeah. I was telling one of my other coworkers this too, and I was like, my poor husband is going to be so neglected for the next like three years. You know what? Get him a pocket pussy and some video games. He'll be fine. Exactly. I'm like, he has his video games. We're good. During this period where we're going to have this break, we're also going to be giving it, giving. I mean, yeah, we will be giving. We will be giving away a (laughs) t-shirt. Yeah. I was going to be saying we're going to be having a giveaway for a t-shirt, but my brain and my mind did not go together. So our giveaway is going to be go and like the post, which will be on all of our social media. Yep. Share it and leave a, leave us a review. You'll be entered regardless if as long as you share it and comment. And then if you leave us a review, you're going to get extra entries and you're going to be more likely to win. Yes. And, you know, whoever wins, we will get your information. And so it'll be totally free for you. But it's going to be the logo t-shirt. You don't get to pick. Sorry. That's what you're getting. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, so because we got new merch, we want to do something and give back to you guys. For supporting us and making this possible. Like, oh, my God. I know. We, we love, love you guys so much. so much. But yeah, so follow us on social media, Instagram, Pod. Facebook, Whining About Herstory. Twitter, W-A-H underscore pod. And we'll have the post out there. It's going to be big and pink. You can't miss it. Follow the instructions for the post, and then you will be entered. Right. And uh, so that will be out. That's out right now. Oh, you already do it? Well, as of this episode coming out. So this episode's coming out on the 7th, which is Labor Day. The post will be out. And the contest will run through the 18th and we will pick a winner and then we will announce the winner on Monday the 21st. Instead of a new episode, yep. you find out you if you find want out if some you want a t-shirt. Herstory swag. What? what? I mean, let's be honest. You'll probably also get a magnet and some stickers. But I, guys, we're going to load you up. You know. <laughs> you, you're going to be like. You'll get everything short of a wine glass. It's like a little Herstory <laughs> gift basket because yeah, be we all need a little positivity in our lives right now. And so now that you're like half an hour into our episode, let's actually uh, 
start the episode maybe all right and do you have a say their name oh yeah i do actually uh so special shout out to one of our listeners hey becca Hi, Becca. so becca is uh one of our listeners she has been listening uh since if i would not, say the beginning if not the beginning very very close to the beginning yeah yeah so she's been extremely supportive she, she's, and uh, she's across the pond as they say yeah so she's in england and so i'm always like oh my god we have very nice right? listeners and like you know everything she says is just like beautiful and gorgeous and yeah. amazing like, but and I'll post the video because I haven't yet. But Emily did post a photo that she made us some patches to go on our girl gang jackets. So we got the fighting girlfriend and the night witches. Yeah. And she handmade these. And they're beautiful. And I love them. And you're, I'm not crying. You're crying. But maybe I'm crying I'm a little. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> but we but- love you, Becca. And Thank you. They're beautiful. It's so funny because I saw that she had made them because like she she posted them to her Instagram and I was like, these are amazing. And so I messaged her and I was like, do you have a store? Can we buy these? Like, I'm not going to ask for them. Right. Because I want like I want to support her. She's an artist. She's doing her thing. Right. Or she's like, like, hey, I'll, I'll. I'll buy them. Like, yeah. Even if she didn't have a store, if she was like, hey, I made this for myself, I totally would have been like, can I just pay you some money and you can make me another one do you guys have venmo is right. there british venmo anyway i'm pretty sure venmo's uh, international isn't i'm it? sure it is i'm just you know americentric yeah. <laughs> anyway but she's like oh no i just like do this for fun i was like well please keep doing it because you're amazing and then so kelly said we got something in the mail and i was like oh my god i was so thrilled and i've been wearing mine on my jean jacket very proudly and it's so i've got my need to buy a jean 100 jacket. years of suffrage pin on one side on my left titty and then i got the night witches on my right and that, so. that is eventually merch we're going to go toward Probably not handmade by Becca. Sorry, those are only for us. Um, but we do <laughs> actually want to start, like, because we talk about doing patches and the girl gang. And so that's something we'd eventually want to do. And I mean, we probably wouldn't do whatever design we decide on in only patches. We'd probably do, like, patches and stickers or Magnus, and buttons. Whatever. You know. But that is something that as we grow, we are looking into. So if so that's something you want, buy some support merch. us. Buy some because that, merch. Because that's on our, that's probably, because we can make goals on Patreon. So that's probably going to be our next goal is, you know, when we hit so many subscribers or something. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited. But yeah, I just want to shout out Becca. Thank you, Becca. They are amazing. Thank you so much. And we love the hell out of you. Yes, we do. You don't even know. You would probably just explode if you, you were You have here. no idea. That's actually exactly how I talk to my my puppers. You know what I just realized? I know I'm interrupting you, but we never actually tried the wine. Oh, shit. <laughs> we talked about it. It's funny because last week we tried the wine, but didn't talk about it until <laughs> halfway through the episode. Okay. Well, so cheers, cheers to, to Becca. Becca and merch and exciting new things. Ooh, that was a good, powerful clink. Oh, this is a dangerous one. That's really good. That's good. I can't. Oh, it's got like, I don't know. There's like an extra sweetness I on know. the back end. Like it, it just kind of came out of like nowhere. Apple. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know when you you eat an apple slice and the juice kind of gets in the back of your throat. But it's good. It's really good. Yeah, bravo, New Zealand. So I will. I will get us rolling now that we're. Are you we first are or am I first? literally 20 minutes into this episode. Oh, I don't know. No. Well, you did the intro, so I'm first, right? Yes. 
Is that how this works? Yes. Yeah, I went first last time. I did my okay. new, my new I, I had to check Buzzsprout and uh, yeah, new duels first. So That's yeah, right. I definitely went first. You know, it's funny because I listen to podcasts and they're like, who's first? I'm like, why don't you guys check this beforehand? Well, we used and to now have I'm here. <laughs> odds even things, but then that got like screwed up. I don't even know so, what we're doing right now. Episodes that we're on episode 75. So your odds, I'm evens. That's right. Because I'm odd. All right. So uh, today I am covering Goyen. And before I get started, so Goyen is a member of the Apache Nation from North America. Her story is historically verifiable, like she existed, but it's such an important story to the Apache oral storytelling tradition. Mm -hmm. And I found her story, I did the research, and then I read, I, I found more about like how important and impactful her story is to that oral yeah. tradition and so I went through my document and I took out all of my jokes basically because I really want to do this story justice right I want to treat it with uh respect yes and mine's compassion. more serious too so this will this will be a slightly more serious episode but also while providing some cultural context from what I was able to find because even though I grew up in the United States, I know very little about the indigenous tribes that were here long, long before us. And because I, I never learned about them. Right. You know, I, I, I heard like, oh, yeah, Dakota, that that's a tribe in Cheyenne and the Comanche. And, but I never knew anything more deeper. And so... Hopefully, I do a good job. I am totally open. If I didn't, I want to learn. Uh, but like I said, uh, I'm really trying to treat this story with respect. And here we go. So, Goyen, which means the one who is wise, was born sometime around 1857 into the Cheyenne band of the Chiricahua Apache, commonly known as the Apache. So, Apache is actually an umbrella term for a variety of different tribes, including the Chiricahua, and they kind of lived in like the southwest around like Texas and Oklahoma and that general area part of what you know is now the United States and I've read a lot of articles that use the umbrella term Apache because there are a lot of similarities culturally and with their traditions but since I know that Goyen is of the Chiricahua tribe mm -hmm. I'll use that more specific term so her birth name is lost to history she would later be given the name Goyen okay and we're gonna find out why we don't know much about her upbringing as her story didn't really start until after she was married. Now, we see this in a lot of our stories. A woman doesn't become relevant until she's married to a notable man. However, in this case, it's not the man who is notable, but rather what happened to him. During this time, the Chiricahua and the Comanches, another indigenous tribe who occupied much of the American Southwest, were at odds and violent conflicts did occur. In the early 1870s, a group of Comanche warriors raided Goyen's camp, led by the Comanche chief riding a black horse with three white like feet, mm -hmm. so like the fur around its hooves. Uh, her village was devastated. Goyen's husband was killed and scalped Aww. by the Comanche Aww. chief himself right in front of her. Goyen would never forget the image of the Comanche chief rearing back on his horse, waving her husband's scalp triumphantly in his hand. And this is a very serious thing because uh, the Chiricahua believe that how you leave this world is how you enter the afterlife. So say I lost my arm 
during my life in the afterlife that arm would not come and find me so the idea of having her husband scalped that's how he enters the ass so it's very serious what happens to your body while you're alive and and I'm sure also after you die you know you want to treat them with a lot of respect so this is like spiritually traumatic beyond the obvious trauma In Chiricahua culture, revenge was not unheard of. However, revenge was believed to be carried out by Usen, the creator god, who would eventually bring misfortune unto the offender. Even if revenge was taken, it was usually pursued by male members of the tribe, so usually a family member of the person who was killed or hurt or... Yeah. In the case of Goyen's husband, there were no male relatives to take revenge. His male relatives were either too old, too young, or not strong enough. And so there's this idea that Usen would bring, uh, like, usually like a natural disaster yeah. upon whoever. That it, tribe or it, whatever. Yeah. It kind of struck me as what I understand as karma. You know, you do bad things, bad, bad things, things happen will happen to you. To you. No one expected Goyen to take revenge. As was customary after the loss of a loved one, Goyen cut her long hair using a knife and sequestered herself in her mother-in-law's home in mourning for two days. This time was meant to be used to process her grief. Instead, Goyen used this time to make a plan. She would not let her husband's death go unpunished. However, it wasn't so simple to kill the Comanche chief. Goyen didn't have a horse, a knife, and knew the tribe wouldn't support what would surely be a suicide mission. Not only would they not support it, but if they found out what she was planning to do, Goyen would have had her nose cut off as punishment. No, that's that's very interesting. Like, of all body parts... I suppose it's very prominent. Prominent, like you people are going to know that you fucked up. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, and this is a fear that she would speak of many times that was weighing on her throughout everything. Goyen would not be deterred. Using the dark of night as cover, Goyen packed food, water, and her ceremonial dress from her puberty ceremony before sneaking out of camp. Now, something we do know about Goyen's upbringing was that she went through a puberty ceremony, which is a rite of passage for all uh, Chiricahua girls, making their transformation from girlhood to womanhood. We see these yeah, in yeah, tons like of cultures. Like a quinceanera or a bat mitzvah. A, like the... A, co- uh, a coming, coming out. out. I'm like, well, that's not like that, the right um, term. But what rich, what rich people do. Debutante ball. Yeah. That's what I. That's all I think of is like. Um, See, uh, I immediately thought of a like bot rich, rich people. See, yeah, the first thing I thought of was a quinceanera, but then yeah. after that, I thought of uh, rich people and like you know, <laughs> you get like a guy and you're like presented, yeah, you know, because you're now of dating age or whatever. Yeah, that's what I think of. Check her out, everyone. She's and ready then of to course go. my my mind went to like Gossip Girl because that happens in like one of the seasons. Love yeah. it. My brain's all over the place. Rich people problems. See, when I was 16, I just had to worry about my crippling depression. Right, exactly. (laughs) Uh, So uh, the four-day ceremony would have included feasts, dancing, blessings, rituals, and of course, a white beaded dress. This is because the puberty ceremony was given to the Chiricahua people by the white painted woman who, according to Chiricahua legend, raised a son who destroyed monsters which had ruled the earth, making the earth now 
be what able to is. be inhabited yep. by people. The white painted woman is a symbol of virtuous womanhood. During the puberty ceremony, the girl will essentially take the role of the white painted woman hmm. and will even be referred to by that name instead of their own. Oh, that's cool. Which I, I'm like, that's really fascinating because this is like the white painted woman is like the epitome of womanhood and right. you know, what it is to be and a good like, woman. Yeah. And, th- and this is you uh, proving that you can embody those virtues. It was this white dress that Goyen took with her on her journey. So when they had left the camp, the Comanche had left a path. Goyen used this path and the North Star to guide her way through the night. Her journey took three days on foot. She only traveled at night to help conceal her presence, constantly on the lookout for Comanche scouts or other threats that might come upon her. Now, walking for three days sounds like a lot. I love a good long walk as much as anyone else. But for three, and she's only going at night, too. She's only walking at night. It's very secretive and, Mm -hmm. yeah. But it was actually probably even longer than you think. The uh, Chiricahua were nomadic people and continue and conditioned to run long distances. Boys and girls. So like they were moving as she was moving. Is that what you're saying? No. uh, So basically. She was quick. She was covering more ground than most people would. Yeah. So boys and girls would be were trained to run through and uh run long distance and they were trained to have high endurance that's insane well because you pack everything up and you move so you have to be able to carry things you have to be able to go long distances on rough terrain Uh, instead of challenging the kids to run further distances they would be given more difficult trails to run so it's not about the distance it's about what you're enduring during that run that makes sense you're conditioning yourself your endurance is getting higher a common game uh, was actually to race up rocky hills for bragging rights. Be like, I'm faster and stronger than you. Like, yeah, up, not rocky hills, but running up and down like hills. Oh yeah, it's. I mean, there's so much we all had in common, you guys. This means that Goyen was likely running for these three days and covering much more ground than I could by walking. Or running because I'd probably just drop dead after ten minutes. Like that's incredible to me. Over and be like, I'm done. But and she's fueled by this desire. She's like, I'm not going to let this stand. Anger, anger is a powerful motivator. On the fourth night, Goyen saw a large bonfire flickering in the distance. As she drew closer, she could feel the rhythm of drums and hear singing. It was the Comanche camp, and they were celebrating their victory over her tribe. Goyen knew she couldn't rush in. She would likely be killed on the spot. Slowly, she circled the camp, surveying and planning. I'm, I'm going to take a second. I, I love her so much. She's such a badass. Uh, As the victory dance continued, older members went to bed while the younger tribe members continued to drink and dance. Sounds accurate. Yeah. I'm I'm definitely identifying with the older members at this stage in my life. Oh, it's nine o'clock. I'm tired. I'm going to bed. Yeah. I've already got a headache. I'm half a glass of wine. I have a headache. I need to go to bed. Goyen changed from her buckskins into her white ceremonial dress. Then she crept to where the horses were tied up, locating the chiefs. She recognized it by its dark black coat and three white feet. It's like my dog. <laughs> it is. So I think Atari might have all white feet. Uh, if the horses were startled, Goyen would be discovered and killed. Luckily, the chief's horse sniffed her and went, meh. meh. It, didn't, it didn't really react. 
because she's so mellow. Yeah, she's, she's just like, super chill. This. She's like, I got this. I'm not going to hurt you, horse. Goyen untied the horse and led it away from the camp, roping it up out of sight in like this low, right. tall grass thicket. Then she returned to the Comanche camp. The party was still raging with the young warriors drinking and dancing. The chief, however, sat in a place of honor and watched the festivities as he himself got smashed. He was drinking a lot. And this sounds to me like like he's sitting there drinking and watching. I mean, it's kind he's of just like, kind of like enjoying. If, if you hear like a lot of like king even like Game of Thrones, a lot of times that's what would happen. Like the king or like whoever was in charge would just sit and watch because yeah. you know well the a lot of these for him exactly and a lot of these parties are yes it might be to honor their victory over this other tribe but it's because yeah it's because of him exactly now uh to say the chief was getting very very drunk isn't me or smashed as i said uh is not me like that's actually like what they say well it's i mean it's not but that's the the sentiment i'm trying to get across he's very very drunk goyen saw that he had a jug of whiskey in his hand and he was doing his Man, head was drink. bobbing because he's like well, yeah, it's nine barely it's to together to <laughs> it's nine o'clock oh my god but where it's like you know that level of drink, you have to like almost keep focus on keeping your head up goyen knew this was her best opportunity to strike Goyen, in her gorgeous beaded white dress, approached the Comanche chief and invited him to dance. The chief got up, but then just kind of stood there. He was three sheets to the wind and couldn't do much more than just stare at Goyen. She wondered if he recognized her. No, he's probably just like... (laughs) She certainly recognized her husband's scalp hanging from the chief's belt. It took Goyen four attempts to get the chief to dance with her. So she keeps beckoning him and he's just standing there and she tries again. And, you know, and uh, this is significant because the number four is sacred to the Chiricahua culture. And in many in many other Native American cultures, it's kind of like um, I would equate it's it like their to their sacred number. It's like, you know, seven. the Trinity. And I'm not I'm not trying to um, seven supposed to be like a holy number. Like, yeah, because uh, there there's four directections. Mm. There's four winds. Like the number four is it just shows very relevant yeah. in their culture. Yeah. Everything's in fours. Goyen, uh, so he finally on the fourth try is like, like, let's do this. Goyen began dancing around the fire with the chief. She would brush up against him and flash a flirty smile, enticing him further. She's working it and I love it. Heck yeah. Slowly. Sometimes you just got to use that against him. Well, she's on a mission. She, She doesn't have any weapons. So she's doing what she can, and she's also using the weapons that. Well, and I love it because born with she is behind enemy lines, like she is in the heart of right, the enemy. And she's just really she's hoping so, that no just, one goes, "Hey, you're not a part. You're not supposed you? to be here. <laughs> she, she doesn't, doesn't even go, go here." here. Oh my god! Sorry, I we're not trying even, to make light of this, but that I is exactly what she's doing. But yeah, I mean, she she's kind of like a spy. Yeah, she's just really hoping that On no one realizes that she's not supposed the to be leader. Yeah. yeah. So slowly, Goyen begins to lead the chief away from the circle with her dancing before she began to playfully run away, stopping long enough for the stumbling chief to catch up before running again, leading him to the thicket where she had hidden his horse. 
When they were finally far enough away from camp, hidden in the dark of the night, Goyen did a bit of a fake fall into the chief, grabbing at the knife that was hanging from his belt. Because remember, she has zero right. weapons. She's like, I'm, I'm aiming for his weapon because that's all I have. As she pulled the knife out of its sheath, she dropped it. Even in his drunken stupor, the chief knew that someone grabbing at your knife was a bad sign. His warrior instincts kicked in and he grabbed Goyen by the shoulders. But Goyen was fast. She quickly wrapped her arms around his body, pinning his arms above the elbows to his side. Then she sunk her teeth into the chief's neck. Oh my God, can you imagine? The chief struggled fiercely, but Goyen only dug her teeth in deeper, clinging to the flailing man. After several minutes of biting, struggling, and more biting, the chief's body became limp. She must have hit a jugular or something. She she hit something. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's the only thing I can think of is that she hit one of the major veins or arteries running well, along and she, your neck and I'm like bled out. imagining where I would bite someone oh, yeah, if I was in that situation. Like right here and that's basically where their jugular and or their carotid and is. And she's biting so hard because she's not only trying to kill him, she's fighting for her, her own life. life because she knows he will Although if you do her. have to pin someone, yeah, do it right above the elbows because then they don't have like the range of motion to be able to pull yeah. you off. And like your upper arms are not that strong to like pull yep. away. You, you use that advice for good, not evil. Don't use it to, like, kill someone that doesn't deserve it. Probably don't use it to kill someone (laughs) at all, but, you know. Goyen released her grip, and the chief's body fell to the ground. Goyen stood there for a moment, blood dripping down her face and her white beaded dress. But she didn't have long to linger. A chief can only go missing for so long before the rest of the tribe comes looking for them. Right. Finding the earlier dropped knife on the ground, Goyen cut the chief's heart out of his chest and scalped him. Along with the heart and scalp, Goyen also took his moccasins, headband, and other clothing from him before finding the chief's black stallion and beginning her ride back to her own camp. Wow. And again, this is what I mentioned before about... uh, the way you leave this world is how you spend the afterlife. So her yeah. scalping him, taking his heart out, and disrobing like, like him of his like headband and his shoes was it, it was a message. Like she's like, I didn't just kill you, but this is how you're entering the afterlife, and that's forever. So Fuck this yeah. is this is heavy. This is really heavy stuff. And even and even like the Chiricahua people only scalped people under severe conditions. Oh yeah, no, like it's it's and it's usually like war. That's usually what yeah. it is. <laughs> now, this was not a ride into the sunset scenario. Goyen knew the Comanche would quickly find their dead chief and begin tracking her. She rode as quickly as she could home, only stopping briefly to allow the horse to rest and graze. Right, like I can't. I don't. I don't have the ability to let this horse die. Exactly. I, I mean, nowadays your car dies. That's awful. But back then, your mode of transportation literally died. You're probably gonna die. Well, and you're probably gonna die as well, depending on like where you are. Yeah, because I. She's an incredible runner, obviously, but she's not gonna be able to outrun a a band of warriors on on exactly. horseback. 
Goyan went on like this for two days without eating or sleeping herself. Eventually, her body gave in to exhaustion and stress, and she passed out while riding on the horse. Mm -hmm. Luckily, depending on the saddle you're in, horses are pretty like... Well, and I don't know if she had a saddle or if she was riding bareback. I mean, depending on how you fall, as long as you fall forward, you'll stay on the horse. Well, it wouldn't be an issue for Goyan because she is a pro and somehow managed to stay on the horse. However, when she finally woke up, she saw that the horse was channeling its inner carrier pigeon and heading back to the Comanche camp. Can you imagine the horror? Hopefully it was like going like you know maybe hopefully it was like walk walking instead of like galloping like she had been yeah, so hopefully maybe. like she didn't lose too much distance but then it opens up the possibility she's losing ground oh, yeah. and she's meeting the enemy tribe that's looking for yeah, her i mean she could have woken bad up bad horse bad horse to a knife to her throat goyan quickly steered the horse back to her camp she could have just not woken up yeah there you go that that's it The lack of food, sleep, and the stress from waiting to suddenly be killed began to take its toll on Goyen. She heard voices, hallucinated, and saw ghosts. And uh, in her culture, ghosts are terrifying. Like, like, you know, if... If I think I see the ghost of my grandma, I'm going to be startled. But I'm like, oh, it's my grandma. No, no, no. It doesn't matter. A ghost... Of someone who has died is a horrific sight. So, like, oh, that yeah. must well, have and, terrified and in, her. And in this, yeah, because especially if you believe, like, however you died, that's how you, you're seen. Yeah, you're going to see these, you know, like, for us, because we don't have that, you see them how you remember them in life. Yeah. Whereas for her, yeah, it's people that have been scalped. It's, you know, if if she's envisioning this chief that she killed, like, what how seeing horrible her would that be? Suddenly, a group of men on horses appeared from behind a rocky outcropping. There must have been a moment where Goyen realized this was the end and prepared herself to die. Please let it be her tribe. But not today. Oh, thank God. The horsemen were members of her own tribe, including uh, the chief, Peso, and her father-in-law, and also like the the tribal medicine man. The men stared at her in awe. She must have been a sight, starved, exhausted, and covered in what was now dried blood. Now, remember, Goyen's actions were punishable by having her nose cut off or even by being killed herself. Right. Not only had she gone off without permission, but killing the Comanche chief could have instigated a war between the tribes. So this is she's this is someone going off on their own and like assassinating a rival leader. I mean, this is this whole story is very, very heavy. Before the men could react, Goyen passed out. When she awoke, Goyen was in her in-law's home. Her mother-in-law sent for Chief Peso and the medicine man, Kazan. When they smiled at her, their eyes brimming with admiration. Right, she's like, oh, Goyen thank God they're not going to murder me. It would be all right. Goyen's father said, quote, My daughter is a brave and good woman. She has done a braver thing than any man among the Chiricahua. She has killed the Comanche chief and she has brought his weapons and garments to her people. She has ridden his mount. Let her always be honored by my people. Fuck yeah. Chief Peso took the heart and scalp that Goyen had taken from the Comanche chief and presented them to the rest of the tribe. And that is when she was awarded the name Goyen, meaning the one who is wise, which I think is that's yeah, like that's beautiful. Really, that's cool. That's amazing. 
So after Goyan's incredible journey, she remarried a warrior named Kaitenai, uh, who would eventually become the chief of the Warm Aww. Springs Tainet people. So she, she, she ends up married a to a queen? chief. Yeah, you know. She, is there... Continue talking. I'm going to Google something. During this time, the Apache people were at war with uh, America and Mexico because they were trying to retain their freedom and independence in what was known as the Apache Wars. And I'll use the term Apache because this was this was encompassing more than just her tribe. It's it's chieftainess. Chieftainess. Because it's chieftain. And then if it's a woman, chieftainess. I like that. Um, Chieftainess. Yeah, it says a woman who holds chieftainessy. Not even joking, apparently that's a word. In her own right, or who derives one from a marriage to a male chief, is referred to alternatively as a chieftainess or a chiefess. I like chieftainess better. I chiefess is a little uh easier. I know, but it just sounds weird to me. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. Um, so at this time the Apache were fighting with uh America and Mexico because they're like, no, we want to keep living and keep our freedom, and America and Mexico's like but mm, no. But no. We want your land because we're a bunch of assholes. During these conflicts, Goyen's infant daughter was killed. <sighs> Goyen and her husband joined Geronimo during the final battles of the Apache Wars. When you say that, all I want to do is yell the word, but I'm not going to. I'm going to hold Oh, back yeah. Yeah. Because this is obviously. Do you know what this that is? is? Did not you the look time. up? What is that? What is Geronimo? That's his name. Oh. Uh, that, that, so Geronimo oh, was a chief, and actually, I I did my little thing every day. I look up what happened today in history, and did not plan this, but today is the day that Geronimo surrendered in oh. 1886. See, I didn't know where that like word came from, so that's actually really interesting. I I don't know how it connects. So um, I don't know if this is just a United States thing, but if someone is like coming in quickly, they'll yell Geronimo. Yeah. So I don't know how it, if why I want to. He yell said it. that, or like what the entomology of that again, like phrase maybe is. the people he was riding with said it because they were calling out his exactly. name. Um, but yeah, so so Geronimo was a chief who was a leader in the Apache Wars, um, and Goyen and her husband joined him to fight. What the hell was that? I was looking up today in history because I was curious. Oh yeah, there's always a video. Here, here we go. My computer's muted. <laughs> so when Geronimo surrendered in 1886, Goyen was captured along with other Apache warriors and taken to a POW camp at, at Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio, Texas. Is it, oh, sorry. Sub no, 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 you're fine. When we say today, we mean the day we're recording. So September 4th, not September oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 7th. 7th. Just we're saying. we're living in a constant state of the past and the future where everything we we're say like, is we're irrelevant. like New Zealand to the rest of the world. <laughs> we're basically they're always a day ahead. Yes. Except we're we're three days ahead. But I don't know. I I looked that up and I was like, oh my God, that's in my mm-hmm. story. I did did not plan that. This is just No, one that's of those actually super, super situations. Cool. What's super not cool is everything I'm about to say. So they're taken to a POW camp in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, and then they are sent to Fort Pickens, Florida. We did terrible, terrible things to Native Americans. I, I can't even begin to describe. Kelly's been angry about it for the last like 15 minutes. Yeah, I don't know if you guys can hear it, but Kelly's pug is barking because she is pissed. 
So they're so they're sent to Florida, and the swampy climate was vastly oh. different from what they were accustomed to, which is that dry, that dry arid. Heat. That is the best heat, type of heat, kind of you know, deserty. That if I ever leave Minnesota, I am going to. Yeah, and this led to many of the captured natives to oh. die from tuberculosis and typhoid. Oh, yeah. and, well, and, and you're in yellow fever conditions. and anything else you can catch from fucking. The mosquitoes and shit that they have down there. Yeah, it's it's an awful. I've gotten awful to the point situation. where I'm, I'm like an actual like glass and a half of wine in, where I'm like starting to become belligerent. And I'm sorry, <laughs> I haven't even gotten well, to my story here, yet. Here's the thing: that this is stuff that we should be angry about. We should be furious. That's the appropriate reaction. We should be devastated and angry. Yeah, I am. The prisoners who did survive in Florida were then sent to Fort Sill in Oklahoma in 1894. Goyen was one of these prisoners. Uh, the prisoners who were held in Oklahoma would remain there for 27 years. Most would Jesus. die there. That's like, if you think about that, that was two years ago for us. Like, think about. 27 like living in a camp oh, a prison camp 20, for 27 yeah, years because we're 29 years old so literally that's i mean that's that would have been most lifetime. of our life yeah yeah that's insane so most would die there never seeing their homeland again goyen died as a prisoner of war at fort sill in 1903 legacy Goyen's story became a part of the chiricahua's oral tradition and was passed down through the tribe while the oral histories of many indigenous peoples have been erased through genocide, as we have literally yeah. just discussed, historian Eve Ball had the opportunity to interview many of the Apache people and recorded their histories. So she was living in an area where she realized her neighbors were the, the children of these chiefs who had fought in the Apache Wars and had lived through this, and they had the stories. And so I she... I don't need more wine, but I'm having more wine. <laughs> and so she talked with them and got uh, had the opportunity to learn these stories and then share them. Uh, Which she, is amazing. And she actually interviewed Goyen's son, who passed oh. on his mother's story. Eve Ball recorded these stories in a book called Inde, I-N-D-E-H. So I'm guessing I think a that's little. right, yeah. Uh, which I would really like to read. I bet I could find it on Amazon. But it's these oral histories told, told from the people, and they're then they're just written down. Yeah, that's beautiful. Because the, as I said at the beginning, because the oral storytelling tradition is so important to the Apache people, I tried to stick pretty closely to the source materials I found. I understand this story is not part of my history or culture, and I hope I did Goyen's tale justice while helping to share it with a wider audience and give more insight into the Chiricahua and Apache culture, because this is a lot of stuff that I didn't know and I would love to know more about, and it was a real honor. It was a great opportunity to yeah, no, hear her did, story and learn more. I think you did more. great justice to her. Like you, you did a really crossed. good idea. I, 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 did I, my I was the asshole here that was like, I'm drunk and slightly belligerent. <laughs> well, you're belligerent about genocide. So if you're going to be belligerent about anything, that's a good place to start. Yeah. And I'm just going to jump right into mine because I know this episode's already getting a little long because of all of our announcements. That's okay. Please. Drink more wine. I, you know, it is really warm in here and the alcohol hot. is not helping because alcohol heats up your body temperature. I was going to say I'm like in a little sweater. It's not even a heavy sweater, but I'm like, Whoa. I'm in what is this called? What is the cold shoulder? I'm in a cold shoulder top and I'm over here like, 
<laughs> That's gonna be an attractive noise. Oh my god, you ringtone. might you might want to cut that out. Nope, it's in. It's there forever. It's in the universe. All right. So just jumping right into our other um, native woman. Um, I'm covering Elizabeth Parachtrakovitz. Oh my gosh. Parachtrakovitz? Parachtrakovitz. Parachtrakovitz? You know, it's funny. I told Emily about this earlier that I literally spent like half of my day repeating that last name over and over and over again, but I've had so much wine that my butt. That's okay. It's been a week. I started grad school this week. And I'm sorry. And Emily's going to like listen to this recording and be like, Kelly, we have to skip this week. You were you were so too no, much wine. No, you are just fine. Here's the funny thing. Uh, when I was posting about us getting those patches from Becca, mm-hmm. because yours, the fighting girlfriend, was inspired by Maria Akatibraskaya. Uh, yeah. Ak- yeah. Valentina Tereshkova. I want to say Valentina Tereshkova because yeah. like those are my two big Russian women. Yes. And they just kind of like... Not that I'm saying this, but like sometimes their names just like smoosh together because oh, I get Russian. that, I get that. But uh, it's I like I want to add I was an extra L on name. my friend's name because well, she's not my friend, a coworker's name because her last name is basically like except for the beginning letters, it's spelled exactly the same except she cuts off an L at the end. Do you hear that, coworker? You're not her fucking friend. So, I'm her fucking friend. Back off. So every <laughs> once in a while, I spell her name M-M-E-L-L. And I'm like, nope, there's only one L. Your coworker knows exactly who they are now and that they're not your friend. I really hope they don't listen to this podcast <laughs> because technically she's not. A, I mean, she is a coworker because we're not supposed to call them customers, but technically she's a customer. So okay. dear God, if you listen to this podcast, I really hope you don't actually know that it's me. Because I don't know how often I've said my last name, but I'm sorry. But uh, so Maria Octobraskaya. I I still practice that like in my head, and I Just still every can't once get in a while I'm like Octobraskaya. Because I've I've been able to nail <laughs> our Russian women like Ludmila Pavlachenko. I'm very proud just, of being able to say just that. Just so you know, I have a very detailed vision of what I want for her patch slash sticker slash button. Maria's so, the yes. fighting girlfriend. Yep. Okay. I have a very detailed vision of what I want. I know many artists that can help us realize I that know. vision. We're going to talk about that after this, and then we're going to write down that discussion, because I might not remember it later. Sounds so Here's good. the thing. <laughs> Sub note before I actually start. I don't drink a lot. <laughs> so when I actually drink, because I'm pretty sure I've had half this bottle at this point, because I've been like slowly pouring myself more and more as Emily talks, because this is actually like super good wine. So, because I don't drink a lot, and because of some other gastrointestinal things I have going on in my life, I get drunk more easily than other people. (laughs) So, the fact that I've had like a glass of wine or maybe a glass and a half, and I keep hitting my mic, I'm so sorry for when you edit this later. Like, I am... If you saw me looking at the bottle earlier, I was trying to figure out what proof it was because I'm like, please tell me it's a high proof wine so I don't feel as bad. I love it though. So we haven't we haven't done a a double header recording in a long time because usually when we do, I'm so sorry because probably by like halfway through the Seneca convention, I'm just gonna be like yelling drunkenly at you. That's okay. Then we're gonna eat fried food, which is perfect for being drunk. We've got a night plan, you guys. I know. But I don't think I should we, be in charge of frying. Food. We haven't we haven't done an episode in a while where either of us have gotten pretty deep into it. So this is exciting. And I'm now so you're at the level where you can tell your story. It's not like, oh, I got drunk and I'm done telling my story. You no, go. It's, this is like 
You're prepped. I'm you're ready. Be a little bit like slurry. You're wet, so. and wild, and ready to go. Strap so in, strap bitches. in, strap on, bitches. <laughs> so, Elizabeth was born in 1911 in July in Petersburg, Alaska. Although I don't think it was known as Alaska at this time, I tried to look up like what Alaska was known as before it was Alaska, before it was a state. It didn't really give me anything. Um, but apparently, Al- I think it was actually known as Alaska or maybe like Alessica because Alaska is an Alouit, which is like a native Alaskan tribe. Exactly right. But it's a native word that literally means the object toward which the action of the sea is directed. So basically it means it's the mainland or like, you know. Okay. Which is a great way to describe Alaska. Also, uh, if you ever want a really interesting read, read the Wikipedia about the history of Alaska because it's actually kind of interesting. Is it a wild ride? And weird. Alaska is known as a great many things. Anyways. (laughs) So she was born in Petersburg, Alaska and was a member of a clan that I'm not going to be able to pronounce sober or drunk because it is spelled L-U-K-X-X with a a line underneath the X, not okay. on top of it, dot, A with an umlaut, D-I. No idea. I tried to Google how to pronounce it. Google didn't have an answer. So I'm really sorry. Anyone that is a part of the Native Alaskan tribes up there, I apologize. However, that clan is part of the Clinkit Nation. Okay. Which is spelled with a T. Clinkit? Yep. Okay. It's pronounced Clinkit, but it's spelled T-L-I-N-G-I-T. And honestly, oh. <laughs> when you when you said with a T, I'm like, yeah, there's a T at no, the end. <laughs> nope. It starts with a T. Okay. And honestly, if any one of our listeners is a native like Alaskan that's part of the Clinkit tribe, I'd actually I would be really interested in talking to you and learning how to pronounce that clan name. Because I actually literally found a Clinkit dictionary and it still didn't tell me how to pronounce it. it. It's one of those things like everyone knows we're not very great at pronouncing foreign languages, particularly France, but we can usually make some kind of attempt at that. But that's so far away from my grasp on language, the alphabet and right. pronunciations. Where I it's, just, it's, I don't want to butcher it. Like I'm my not pronouncing it is not out of, I mean, it is kind of out of my Americanization because unfortunately that's kind of how we were raised, but I'm not doing it to be mean. I'm doing it because I don't want to be disrespectful. You'd rather I don't want to butcher it so bad that people listening are like, fuck you. I'm never listening again. You'd rather use a more generalized, but still accurate term that you can pronounce versus trying to completely butcher a tribe name that you don't even know where to start. Exactly. I'm like, there's a, there's a period in the middle of a name (laughs) and I'm not, it's, I'm sure it sounds judgmental because I'm drunk, but I'm not judgmental. I'm just like, I don't want to fuck this up. And I know just looking at it, I'm going to fuck it up. Like my ignorance is leading me to not even know where to start. Anyways, so this is, it's part of the Clinkett Nation and it is a clan of the Raven, like Moeri, which is like the section or portion um, whose principal crest is the coho, which is a type of salmon. Oh, oh yeah, coho salmon. Exactly. Okay, yeah. So that's their crest. So Elizabeth is part of this clan. She was the daughter of a native woman that was part of the Clinket clan and her, her mother's Irish brother-in-law. So it was her mother's husband's brother. Husband's brother. So I'm assuming it was a non-consensual situation. They don't really go into it. 
Because Elizabeth was left in the care of the Salvation Army by her parents. Okay, so, so wait. she was. Let, let me unpack this. So yep. Elizabeth's mother well, was a Native Alaskan and married to the father, but the brother-in-law was but her Elizabeth's fa- father. Yep, her father is her mother's Irish brother-in-law. So so wait, okay, no, her mother's brother. So it's her mother's sister's husband. Her mother's oh, Irish oh, oh. brother-in-law. Oh, oh, I totally forgot it could go that way, too. So that's what I'm going to assume. I'm going to assume it's her mother's, like, sister's, sister's husband. husband okay. Which is still terrible. Okay, guys, remember in the last episode when we talked about how creating a family tree can be traumatizing? Yeah, this, this would be why. one of those situations. <laughs> Don't um, do it. Oh, also, I was going to mention this in between stories and then I forgot. So I'm just going to mention it now at a really inappropriate time. Maybe you can like cut it and like stick it there. I'm um, not. We, I also bought us new fancy coasters that have pugs on them and say oh, love. Oh, that's right. And they're fucking adorable. Yeah, they look like um, midsummer if it was with pugs and not horrifying. So let's get through this before I can't see straight anymore. Okay. Do, okay. do, do, do I need to scoot your coaster yes, closer to me? Okay. Um, that's why I put the bottle on your side <laughs> of the table. I'm like, I, I was wondering why it migrated. Okay, so she was left in the care of the Salvation Army by her parents. So they were like, you know what? I'm guessing probably because it was a non-consensual birth, or not birth, but non-consensual conception. conception, The mom was probably like, I can't deal with this. Right. Gave her up to the Salvation Army. Fortunately, she was adopted by Andrew and Mary Wanamaker, which thankfully is a very pronounceable name. Name. Um, Andrew was a fisherman by trade and a Presbyterian uh, minister by choice. Did Did you hear about why the Wanamakers had a daughter? No, because they want to make her. Yeah, I was just letting you finish your joke. <laughs> um, so Andrew would also uh, was also a charter member of the Alaskan Na- Native Brotherhood, which is a nonprofit organization formed to address raci- racism against Native Alaskans. Oh my God, that's incredible! Yeah, especially since this is like back in the early 1900s. Yeah, yeah. So good for you, Alaska. Honestly, this whole story is kind of a good for you, Alaska. It takes a little while to get there, but it gets there. I but promise. like golf claps, Alaska. Like golf claps. Totally off topic, but on topic for Alaska. There's a comedian named Ben Brainerd, who's from Florida, but he does like a states thing. Like he acts like all the different states. And there's a really funny thing he does between Alaska and Texas because, you know, the whole thing is, you know, everything's bigger in Texas, but Alaska is the size of Texas, Montana, and Colorado It's our combined. biggest state. So, like, the whole thing when he's acting out states is Alaska talking to Texas about how he's small, and it's the funniest. It's oh on Facebook God. and YouTube. Look it up. It's fucking hilarious. I love the idea of Alaska dick shaming, it's size shaming so Texas. fucking funny. Oh, my God. Okay. Anyways, growing up, um, because Andrew and his wife were also part of the Clinkett Nation. Oh, so they were so she also did, indigenous. She did get, yeah, okay. she did get married, or not married. Adopted. She did get adopted by the indigenous people, which is great. And she actually grew up speaking Clinkett and English, which is great. So she started off living in Sitka, which I've actually heard of, Alaska, um, which is a for those of you who don't know, it's a coastal city in Alaska. Um, it's actually part of the our so where this word is hard for me, archipelago, like the Alaskan little chain of islands. Oh, the archipelago. That. That's it. I forgot the I. It's fine. You're gonna listen to this and you're gonna think it's great, and I'm gonna listen to this and be like, Emily, why the fuck did we publish this episode? Kelly, you don't listen to our episodes. <laughs> 
I'm actually going back and listening to them so I can write down all the patches we said we'd make. Oh, that's smart. Can you also write down all of my Tinder sayings? Because I will I write want down them your on Tinder mugs. sayings <laughs> and I will also write down who has stamps because honestly, there's websites that we can buy all these stamps and I kind of want to like get them and put them all in a frame and put them up on our wall. I was actually thinking about that because uh, all of our herstory stamps have been issued by the USPS. Well, most buy, of them. You can buy most of them on their website, but not all of them. Well, some of them have been international, like Nirja Banats is yes. from India. Honestly, we might like start reaching out on like Twitter and shit to be like, hey, does anyone know anyone in India? We will pay you to buy us this stamp and, and I want send a it Nirja to Banat stamp. Not on the envelope. Yes. Okay. Wow. I've gotten like five minutes into my story and we've not really talked about it. So currently she was living in Sitka. When she was 10, she moved um, 100 miles southeast to Klawak, which actually I don't know. Like we talk, I talk about a lot of Alaskan cities and of all of them, this is the one I'm like, I don't know where that is. See, you know a lot more than me because I'm like, well, I know Anchorage is up there. It's I don't I've know much else. always wanted to visit Alaska. Oh, there's Juno, right? And this gives us an excuse on our herstory tour to visit fucking Alaska because I really want to go. Can we please take it as a cruise? I want to go on a whale tour. Okay. No, we're going to take an Alaskan cruise. And then when we get to Alaska, we'll go see the whales. Okay. Anyways, so they moved to Klawak, Cla- which is... Actually, the reason I probably don't know it is it's, it's a native village on one of the islands known as the the Prince of Wales Island. Okay. It was actually there that she met her future husband. Obviously, they didn't get married at this time because she was still fairly young, but he was the son of a fisherman who was cur- who was working at a cannery at the time, and he so he was the son of a fisherman who was from the Balkans. I, Emily's laughing at I'm, me because my brain is all no, over no, the no. Place. It's not that. It's because you said son of a fisherman. I was like son of a fisherman. No, no, no. Right, I know. Son of a preacher man. Like, exactly. Like my brain just went there, and every and then she said it again. I'm like, I, Emily, stop. <laughs> Your fun. brain is being an idiot See, right now. I feel like this wine is a higher proof because maybe it's, it's not your brain. Because we didn't chill it. It's just, mad at just us. Blame it on the wine. That's <laughs> it's what I'm angry. Doing. It's um, exacting its revenge. I can actually like you know when you drink enough wine or alcohol that you feel a little tingly. That's kind of where I'm at. Okay, and it's the, just starting to hit I'm me. I'm in the good spot. Anyways, so she met her future husband there, who was I'm not going to say son it of again. A yeah, uh, who was working in the cannery at the times, but he was half. His father was from the Balkans. And then his his mother was a a Klingit woman woman so half and half native and not native. They attended separate boarding schools when they were younger, but they both graduated from the same public high school. Were they high school sweethearts? They kind of were. Did she wear his varsity jacket? I have no idea. What was cool about their school though was it was actually an integrated school. So this was actually wow. during a time that Alaska was. So super segregated where it was like everyone else and then the Alaskan natives it was real bad um but this school in particular which was a public high school which is a big deal yeah was integrated because the Clinkett leader successfully sued the school board for being segregated Hell yes. So it's incredible. Good on him. How many I didn't get his name, rights, but good on him. It's incredible how many civil rights victories have come through litigation just being like Fuck you. I'm going to throw right. my lawyer at you. And then everyone has to finally look at the situation and be like, yeah, I guess it is unconstitutional to segregate right. people based on the color of their skin and give them worse schools and worse water fountains and worse Remember, everything. Remember that because okay. that comes up later. The store it in the vault. Um, which we all know. 
the Constitution. It's all in there. <laughs> I know it by heart. Exactly. I can There's tell you a all, the in however there. many articles. There's are some in there. articles. <laughs> um, she would then go on to attend um, Sheldon Jackson College in Sitka, Alaska, which I know where that is too. And that see, that's what I'm talking about. Like all the other cities in Alaska, I'm like, I actually know where that is, except for the one that's on an island. I'm, I'm like, mm. I'm laughing because you already said you know where Sitka is, and you're oh, so proud of I'm it. Sorry. It's adorable. I am. I'm very proud of it, Kelly. I love um, you. And then she would go on to attend the Western College of Education in Bellingham, Washington, which I'm sorry, Washington, but I have no idea where the fuck Washington that is. State? Yes. Okay. Okay. How so dare s- you not know I Washington know. State's so, geography? So sorry. Ugh. So after she graduated and everything, on December 15th of 1931, she finally married her high school sweetheart. Aww. His name was Roy Perachtrovitz. Parachtrovitz. 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 Here, we're just going to sit here for 10 minutes, yep. both saying that. And at like each I said, other. he was also half native Alaskan, but he was part of the Clinkett Nation. Yeah, he, he grew yep. up in the culture. He did. So they married and they moved to Klawak, Alaska. So they moved, you know, back to the islands where he would hold the job of a policeman, a chief clerk, a postman, and then a mayor. Are you stealing my... There's a whole bottle over there. You don't need it. I do, but you're not... I shouldn't. (laughs) Anyways. Well, so did he have all those jobs at the same time? No, he like progressed through them. okay. And then what he did have at the same time, he was a member and then elected grand president of that Alaska Native Brotherhood, which I had already mentioned. That her father was a, a part member of. of. That's exactly. awesome. So he's very much for Native Alaskan rights and like integrating and being like, hey, we're all one people. You know, we all call Alaska home. The government pays us to be here, except not at this time because it's not a state yet. It, I mean, it's basically the platform of Guys, let's just not be shitty people exactly. to each other. So not only was he mayor when they lived in Klawak, he was elected for four terms. Like, he was a good mayor. People Damn. fucking loved him. And from everything I read, like, her husband kind of, like, fades into the background because this is not about him. This well, he's, he's doing his thing. Podcast. He's awesome. Yeah, and cool. he's right there with her, like, supporting Alaskan rights. Cheers, King. But yeah, Roy, good dude. They did have four. They had children together. They had three children. I almost said four. So they had one daughter who was named Loretta and then two sons, Roy Jr. and Frank. Oh, my God. I love. So Frank was my grandfather's name. I actually really like I both love and hate the name Frank because Frank is kind of one of those names that people are like, oh, Frank, you know, like it's a it's a classic I, old school I, name. It's though. a nice name. There was kind actually of like Walter. There was a little boy that I used to work with. When I worked at the daycare and I I loved him. He was such a sweet little kid. I worked with him when he was a toddler and then when he moved up to preschool and his name was Frank and he was a very solid child. Like he he wasn't overweight but he was like built and he would just run. I remember and, you like, told me this. He would go through you if he wanted to. And he was so cute. I and so say we you called, called him, him Frank the Tank. We called him Frank the okay, Tank. Good. And this was not in a, a deprecating way. Like it was just a cute little nickname because he was like the solid, strong little dude, especially for a toddler. Right. You know? Yeah. Like it's kind of like how I think of Dory. Like Dory's sorry. a bit of a tank. I, I'm relating <laughs> this to my dog, which is terrible. But you know what I mean? Like she's very solidly built. Like she's yeah. not necessarily fat. She's just. 
like very muscular and like compact and solid. Yeah. So one day I'm changing Frank's diaper and we have their pictures on their baskets where we keep all their like diapers. I don't supplies. know what I was expecting you to say, but I was like, do you have their pictures like pinned to their diaper? Because I really hope like if you're changing a child, Otherwise, we you don't know, know what they look like. Is. Unless they have their picture on their diaper, I don't know whose diaper it is. It's it's a mystery. It's a problem. I don't understand why they don't make diapers with the little plastic inserts to slip the picture. Anyway, and I was, you know, like when you're changing a kid's diaper, you engage with them, you laugh, you make it a positive experience. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so I was talking with him and he's giggling and having a good time. And I point to his picture and I was like, oh, who's that? And he goes, Frank the Tank. Like in that little guttural voice. And I'm like, oh my God. Because we hadn't, it was something that we talked to to each other. It's, we it's never one addressed of those, no, him it's directly. One of those things that kids fucking listen yeah. when you don't think they are. Yeah. So, because we never addressed him that way directly. It was like, always, oh, you know, oh, Frank the Tank. When over you there. say it in that and voice, so all I can think of funny. is like, Thunderdome style like preschool where there's like a bunch of kids going Frank the Tank Frank the Tank <laughs> yeah no and and just the way he said it he's got this big grin on his face I and I say just we're half a page stop. into my three page story oh no okay well I'll shut up but yeah I so I love Frank is my grandfather's I name really like and one of my Frank. favorite kids I'm names, never so gonna that's a great name I'm not gonna say never I am most likely not gonna have children but I would actually be open to the name Frank or mm-hmm. like Franklin I like I Franklin because okay you can always Anyways, call him Lynn. Exactly. Especially if Frank if, or Lynn. You know or, what? Because Lynn is a know? gender neutral name. But then if they decide that they're not. Uh, if they, they can take Lynn as their name and it's If they're a fun. woman and there you go. Exactly. I wouldn't judge. I would be okay with that. Anyways, they did. They uh, would end up moving to Juno, which, hey, Emily knows where that is. That's um, where the aliens are. What? Yeah, aren't there a bunch of like aliens? I don't know. Anyway. We're going to discuss this after the podcast. <laughs> There's too much going on um, right now. My brain can't handle that. I'm so like out of it now. But they would move to Juno looking for like opportunities for themselves, better chances for their children because Juno's probably the biggest city in Alaska. Probably. I'm saying that because I don't know and I'm not going to Google it don't right now us, because guys. I will go down that you already know we don't know shit (laughs) you can add us but if you're gonna add us be nice and respectful about it and be like yes juno is the biggest city in alaska i'm okay with that so they moved to juno with their children they didn't leave them behind and while finding greater opportunities they also found a bigger social network and bigger racial discrimination against native alaskans damn it at this time, or like shortly after she moved, Elizabeth was elected grand president of the Alaskan Native Sisterhood, which is like the, the all-female the female version, version of, of the Brotherhood. And by that time, Ray was already leading the Alaskan Native is Brotherhood. Is it Ray or Roy? Roy. Oh, okay. I read that like so fast that Roy and was combined together to be Ray. Okay. You could have said Raz. Raz. So it wasn't that bad. So yes. So shortly after they moved to Juno. Elizabeth is running the sisterhood and Roy is running the brotherhood. So they're they're all for like Native Alaskan. They're like the ultimate power couple. Exactly. I love it. Um things really kind of came to a head in 1941 that while living in Juneau, um they were kind of looking for like a house and you know like they would see a lot of signs saying like banning native people. It was very uh, similar to redlining. Redlining, the Jim Crow laws. Very, you know, very similar to what was going on with um, African-Americans. African-Americans. I know. I was like, let's not be offensive, Kelly. Um, Exactly. Except 
slightly earlier, I think. When, like, yeah, when I think did all that come to a head? Well, she was born in 1911. This shit was already going down in the United States. This is in the 30s. Yeah, this was already going down in the United States. So while they had grown up segregated, because, you know, that's just kind of what happens. Also, at this point, Alaska is run by Russians. Yep. Just in case people, which is kind of where her last name comes from, in case people are like wondering, like, that doesn't sound indigenous. It's because Alaska at this point was run by Russians. Well, we had not Balkans, purchased Alaska yet. In the Russian area. In, and that's where in she that got area, her last yes. name because yep. he was part from the Balkans. Um, yeah, it's in the part known as... Hold on, let me like find where that was again. I mean, I guess we don't need to know. Serbia. <laughs> Serbia? Serbia. Serbia. That, like, and that, that's okay, like yeah. the Balkans and like a whole bunch of other like countries. I think that actually got absorbed by Russia. Okay. I don't Eastern know. European. Eastern European. Russian-esque. <laughs> Russian adjacent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like I said, they they grew up in a segregated Alaska. They Besides where they lived, most of Alaska had separate schools, hospitals, theaters, restaurants, cemeteries. You know, they probably had to bathrooms. sit in certain spaces on the bus and the train. Bathrooms. Exactly. It sounds like a bad infomercial. If you can imagine it, it's segregated. Bathrooms. That's probably Theaters. True. Schools. Buses. Toilets. Um, exactly. It was terrible. But one day, Elizabeth and Roy kind of had enough. They were walking along and they spotted a sign in Douglas, Alaska, which was across like a river, a channel, if you want to be like English, <laughs> um, from Juneau. Like, so it's kind of part of Juneau, but not Juneau adjacent. Juneau adjacent. There you go. So they saw a sign that kind of was the final straw for them. It read, no natives allowed. So it was, oh. it was getting to the point where kind of like America had this with the Irish people at one point where they were like, nope, we don't want anything with the Irish. Blanket policy. Fuck Terrible. off. Terrible. Awful. So they wrote a letter to Ernest Gruning, who was the, the territory's governor. So because at this point it was known as the territory of Alaska. because, Like I said, um, America hadn't bought it yet. And this kind of started their campaign again, like... Obviously, they were already campaigning for rights if they were both part of the sisterhood and brotherhood and at this point leading it. But this kind of began their official like, guys, the big this is bullshit. Yeah, exactly. So they wrote, quote, the proprietor of the Douglas Inn does not seem to realize that our native boys are just as willing as the white boys to lay down their lives to protect the freedom that he enjoys. And then he dropped the mic. Right. Because this is 1941. Yeah. So. So World War Two. Yeah. Um, so they called this open bias. The fact that this person was like openly putting up a sign to say no. Na- you know, like because inherent bias is one thing. But when it's like shoved in your face, it's like, OK. Yeah. When when you're almost proud of it. Exactly. So they called it an outrage, which it was like, Absolutely. that's terrible. That's disgusting. And they said, quote, we will still be here to guard our beloved country while hordes of uninterested whites will be fleeing to the south. So they're like, you know what? This is our home. We're going to do whatever to protect it. All these people that, you know, yes, call it home. If it comes under fire, they're going to they're going to run. Why should we not have the same rights as them? Exactly. Gruning, which is the guy that they wrote to, fully agreed with them. Was like, yeah, no, we need to change this. And so they joined forces. And in 1943, they attempted to usher in an anti-discrimination bill through Alaska's legislator. At this time, because Alaska wasn't part of um, America yet, um, they had their own like territorial 
yeah, government system, but it was two branched, very similar to ours. They had a house and a Senate. Actually, it was basically exactly ours, but just for Alaska. It was like minus a branch. Yep. Um, unfortunately, because it has to go through the House and then the Senate, it didn't even pass in the House. It was oh an, shit. It was an eight eight tie vote. Oh shit. But because they couldn't decide, it kind of just you know was like okay, we can't decide. That's it. You know, one of one of those people who voted, their mom should have written to them and been like, right? "Be a good boy." <laughs> right. So, as the leaders of the as of the Native Brotherhood and Sisterhood of Alaska, they were like, "Fuck this," and they spent the next two years lobbying to get this changed. Wow. They redoubled their efforts and they went, they just went ham. They were like, fuck this. This is our life. We're going to get this changed. They urged Native Alaskans to campaign for seats in the legislature. They went on the road to like every city to try and like promote this. And build support to and the raise point that information they, about the issue. Exactly. To the point that they left their three children in the care of an orphanage for a summer to travel around Alaska. Oh, my God. They were that dedicated. They're like, we're coming back for you. But mommy and daddy need to do this. This is a really intense summer camp, right? Damn. So two, it took two years, but eventually a new bill reached the Senate floor, which means it passed the House this time. Someone was a good boy. Yeah. So this was 1945, two years later. Congress at this point had increased the size of the legislature and two natives had been elected to it. So there were two natives on the uh, on the legislature at this point. The House had already approved the bill. The odds of passage were high, but it was still a very it was a like, tight contested race. thing. Yeah, exactly. And um, it drew a lot of onlookers like there was a huge crowd watching people like, you know, give their speeches because what what will happen when you have this kind of debate is, you know, people from both sides will speak. So, like, in our case, with the election coming up, Republicans will speak, Democrats will speak. I don't know what the parties were in Alaska at this point, but I'm just using that as an well, example. Well, it sounds pro and con. Exactly. So, bill, yeah, pro and basically. con. But then they open it up to... The public? The public. Wow. In this case. That's great. So, Elizabeth was like, okay, obviously I'm passionate about this, so I'm going to get up and speak. So, when this, this bill was about to be voted on by the Senate... Um, she was there. She set down her knitting needles. Literally, that's how they describe it. She had she, her knitting needles? She set down her knitting needles and rose from her seat in the back to give testimony. You know what I'm imagining? She opens it up with, I can either use these knitting needles to make a, make a blanket or to cut a bitch. What's it going to be? <laughs> Here, Here's your choice. <laughs> I want that on a mug. Oh, my God. I came here to kick ass and exactly. knit a sweater, and I'm all out of yarn. I'm all out of yarn, bitches. Oh, my God. Um, uh, so th- this gets a little powerful, which hopefully I can do it justice, even though I'm, I'm coming down a little because Emily took my wine away from me. <laughs> You're welcome, listeners. So this is how she opened her speech to the Senate. I would not have expected that I, who am barely out of savagery, would have to remind gentlemen with 5,000 years of recorded civilization behind them of our Bill of Rights. Oh. That's how she started her speech. M-G. That's so, that's amazing though because she's kind of using their logic against them. No. It's funny it's like, that oh, you say the that. savages? No. You don't even fucking know your own Bill of Rights, You assholes. don't even know because- her saying that was actually in response to an earlier comment by a senator named Alan Shuttock, who said, Shuttock? No, yeah, <laughs> right, right. 
he he literally had said, who are these people barely out of savagery who want to associate us with us whites who have 5,000 years of recorded civilization behind us? So he literally said that and she fucking threw it back in his face and was like, excuse me, but you wrote these Bill of Rights and now you're fucking ignoring it. God, he is a shit cock. <laughs> right? So the Senate would actually go on to vote 11-5 in favor. Oh, thank God. So they were they they did pass it and it it said, quote, with full and equal accommodations, facilities, and privileges to all citizens in places of public accommodations within the jurisdiction of the territory of Alaska, blah, 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 blah. Um, this bill was signed into law by Governor Gruning, the same one that had, like, had been by their side this whole fucking time. Who they'd written the letter to. And I just want to note that this was nearly 20 years before the U.S. Congress would pass the Civil Rights Act. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Alaska They comes would out pass real it in good. 1964, the U.S. Yeah. This is in 1945. Good grief. So, it, but it's interesting because acts of, of territorial legislation required final approval by the U.S. Congress. Um, however, Bob Bartlett was noted in his efficiency for actually getting this passed, which is great. So Fran Ulmer, who was the representative for Juno of the in the Alaskan House of Representatives, would actually talk about Elizabeth's testimony. And she would say, quote, she talked about herself, her friends, her children, and the cruel treatment that consigned Alaskan natives to, to a second class existence. She described to the Senate what it means to be unable to buy a house in a decent neighborhood because natives aren't allowed to live there. She described how children feel when they are refused entrance into movie theaters or see signs in shop windows that read, no dogs or natives allowed. Like, you're you're comparing people to animals. Right. Uh. So as I said, this bill was finally signed into law on February 16th which is an, a date now celebrated by Alaska each year, because it should be. That's awesome. This was the first anti-discrimination act in the United States, even though Alaska technically wasn't a state yet. It was a territory of the United States at that point. Right. Um, but, like, so when, so when we bought Alaska... They already had this in place. Okay, and it, um, it was, like, it grandfathered was, in. Yep, um, because it was 14 years later that we bought Alaska for, like, $7.5 okay. million. Dollars. Jesus. If you want to actually read something really interesting, go read the Alaskan Wikipedia. I'm just imagining how I shop and it's like, yeah, Alaska's great, but like, do I love it or do right. I just like it? I don't know. Exactly. It's not what I usually get. It's like, a, It's a little big for me. Yeah, but like, it, it's a little small, but you know what? It'll, it'll be my I'll grow. I'll go into it. Yeah, it's fine. Um, so unfortunately, there's not a lot known about Elizabeth. Um, besides from her speech. Besides her amazing badassery. Right. There is, and I haven't read it, but I want to, there is a, there's a biography written by Annie Buchuver with help from Ray Petrakovich, which is oh, Junior. No, Junior. Oh, Junior. The son. Okay. It was just published last year and it's called The Fighter in Velvet Gloves. The Fighter in Velvet Gloves. Right. I have another so I try, title. I tried to find as much information about her as I can after her speech. So after the law was passed, the family moved to Antagonish, Nova Scotia, Canada. So they mm -hmm. moved to Canada, um, where Roy would go on to pursue an economics degree. Um, from there, they moved to Denver, Colorado, 
where Roy studied at the University of Denver. So at this point, she's just kind of going with her husband, you yeah. know, being a loving wife and supporting mother. Being a badass in her exactly. own right. Exactly. And then Roy, in 1954, Roy um, accepted a position at the Federal Bureau of Indian Affairs, which then moved the family to Oklahoma. But, you know, he's doing what he loves. He's trying to get He's very natives. active. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm sure she was, too. Oh, yeah. I, I was going to say she was the leader of the sisterhood. And while we exactly. may not have that information of what exactly she was doing, she was. You know, she you was right there with her husband just like, helping. I gave a badass speech with my knitting I'm needles. I'm fine. I'm, right? I'm just going to um, chill and drink some wine. Exactly. That's what I would do. Uh, <laughs> right? Unfortunately, in 1954, um, or sorry, 1956. So this is two years after they moved to Oklahoma. Um, Elizabeth found out that she had breast cancer. Oh, damn it. Because of that, they decided to move back to Juneau, which I'm assuming that's where they, you know, they moved back to Alaska. That's their home. That's where they had family. And once her illness worsened, she entered the Christian Science Care Center, which is in Alaska, or not in Alaska, Seattle, Washington, because that's where her son, Roy Jr., was going to college. They moved to kind of be closer to him. Oh, God. Elizabeth would go on to die of cancer on December 1st, 1958. Um, she's buried at the Evergreen Cemetery in Juneau, Alaska, um, and she would be later. Her husband would be buried alongside her. He died in 1989. She was like 40. Yeah, she wasn't very. Because she was born in 1911. Right. God. She wasn't very old, but she did like she fucking equal rights in Alaska. No, I well I, before. I know it's just like we sometimes oh, we so, talk I'm, about these really amazing women and like it's so important to have people like that in the world and then you find out that they die when they're 40 or, or younger so and you're just like is damn you hear, like they live to be like 89 despite all of this like shitty stuff that happened and you're like you're amazing. Could you live a little longer? Right. Um <laughs> so legacy. This is something that I really want to do and we're we're discussing. But Apparently, America has Native American coins, which I didn't know. Yeah, you mentioned that they're before we wa- started recording. Yep, I was they're like, what? One, they're $1 coins that must celebrate, you know, the Native people. And the 2020, so this year's Native American coin is Elizabeth Petrikova. Like, oh, my God. That was... Let me... Let me... Let me back up. I keep wanting to say Pet- Petrikova, and I know I know. I do, right. too. Don't worry. So the 2020 coin is Elizabeth Petrikovitz. Perech Kravitz. And I really want to buy it, but you have to buy it as a role because I I get why they're not released, but at the same time, they should be more widely released. You can buy them online, but you have to buy them. The smallest thing you can buy is a roll of 25, but it actually costs you like $32 because of shipping. But I still think that's cool that she was voted the 2020 Native American. So she's on a $1 coin that See, we're probably going to buy a roll of and like give to people. That's we'll super see. cool because I and you mentioned that and I was like, oh, like the Sacagawea gold dollar yes. coin. And that's that was, exactly that they deal. are gold. So I think it must be part of that same line of coins. I didn't know they made one after Sacagawea. I didn't either. Because because we were literally trying to be, until last week when I was doing this research. Because we were trying to be more European and have like dollar coins instead of just dollar it's bills. A, it's a jail and thing it didn't, now. <laughs> it's a jail thing. No, I was telling Emily that, that my, my husband, because he works for the government center here in town, he ends up with a lot of dollar coins from vending machines because that's what they use to like, when prisoners get paid, they give them dollar coins. That's So wild. like a lot of the guards and stuff will end up paying in dollar coins at the vending machine so my husband will get them as change which i find very interesting uh, yeah i haven't seen a sacagawea dollar in forever no i haven't either but i 
I also don't use um, cash let, very let, often. And let us know. Add us. Do add us about this if you would like one of these coins. Because yeah, maybe we'll buy a roll and you know distribute them. Because yeah, maybe we'll do a because like Alaska, who's very very mad that they won't do this more widespread than just online. I am also kind of mad. Well, what's the point if you can't what? if it's not accessible? Well, my question. I didn't look into this. So my question that I'll, I'll do some research and let people know next episode is that like, okay, so this is the 2020 Amer- Native American coin. Can you only buy it during 2020? Like once oh, yeah, 2020 is over, is it done? Or did they did they make a certain amount and then once that amount is out, it's done? I don't know. I have to look into that. I don't know how currency works. <laughs> no. We do have a coin shortage right now. So that's also a, a weird little element. exact change. I see those signs fucking everywhere. Yeah. I, I fucked that up once because I never use cash. And so I was like, oh, I was here's so proud of money because I paid an exact change the other day because I keep like four million fucking pennies in my wallet and it pisses me off. Uh, Anyways, other legacy. And there's more than just this, but I, I kind of bullet pointed my favorites as we do. So as we know, February 16th is the day in 1945 that the Anti-Discrimination Act was passed in Alaska. As of 1988, Alaska has deemed this, sorry, cut out that, cut that out, that, but they have deemed it Elizabeth Perach Trivitz Day. So, like, they celebrate that as her day in Alaska, she which I think is beautiful. I love that. It's funny because we, on, on our social media, we'll celebrate a lot yep. of our oh, yeah. We're the women we've covered be birthdays, but the women we cover don't usually have a day like Mildred right. Fish Harnack has Mildred Fish Harnack exactly. Day and on now her we birthday. have Elizabeth Parachkovich Day. Parachkovich. Um, and they, they say it's to honor her contributions, quote, for her courageous, unceasing efforts to eliminate discrimination and bring about equal rights in Alaska. Oh, Elizabeth. There is also the, um, there's a, oh, an award that was established by the Alaska Native Sisterhood. So they established an award, a scholarship in her honor, which is great. I find this one interesting, which is why I included it. Because sometimes these boring ones I don't include. But Gallery B of the House, the Alaskan House of Representatives Chamber at the Alaskan State Capitol is named in her honor. What I find interesting about that is there are four galleries and hers is the only one named for someone that was not a state legislator. Wow. See, her speech was that fucking powerful that they were like, all right, she needs her own gallery. I was here. imagining that she has like a painting of herself holding mm. her fucking knitting needle. I really hope so. And they basically like give thanks for her not cutting a bitch. And there's actually some really like, she is a very, like, she's very beautiful. I, I looked at pictures of her, but she's, she has that very imposing figure, you know, like. She's very, I'll show you a picture of her when we're done with this, but like, she's very like, if she stared at you wrong, you'd be like, oh, fuck. Oh, this I, is how I die. I fucked up. I'm about to be stabbed in the throat with a knitting needle. I'm so needle. okay with it, though, because you're right. amazing. <laughs> um, so in 2009, there was a documentary uh, documentary released about her. Um, it was originally released at the Alaskan Federation of Natives Convention in Alaska. Um, and it was called For the Rights of All, Ending Jim Crow in Alaska. Even though wow. this is before the Jim Crow laws. Well, uh, Jim eh. Crow kind of came out from the Reconstruction era. That's true. I'm not sure if that's what they called it because Jim Crow came from a blackface movie called yeah, Jumping Yeah, it was Jim a Crow. whole... But the idea of exactly. Jim Crow laws... I... Um, it is how... Supposedly it was scheduled to air on PBS in 2009. I never looked up if it actually did, but it might be out there for people to watch. That's awesome. Awesome. In 2018, she was chosen by the National Women's History Project as one of the honorees for the Women's, Hist- 
Women's History Month in the United States. So they did a bunch of stuff for her in 2018. And then in 2019, October, that's when they announced that she would appear on this year's coin. As we say, she's on the coin. And then also in 2019, there is a, a new apartment building named Elizabeth Place in downtown Anchorage, Alaska. Aww. So you can go live we're in gonna Elizabeth there. Place. We're just going to rent. Or not, yeah, we're we're just going to own, under the whining about her story name, we're just going to own an apartment in Alaska. It, that, that, Actually, that's going to be, be 10, where we're based okay for that. tax purposes. Yeah, they, they pay you to live there. <laughs> Anyways, that was Elizabeth Perachkovich. I do. I want to say like Tarachkova, but that's not this woman. I, I do too. But that silent P, man. That's incredible. So this one I, I love how we're both kind of on the same wavelength of covering indigenous women from very different places, though. Oh, yeah. Like basically opposite ends of North America. Well, yeah. Yeah. North America. That's wild. Thank you for sharing that story. Because uh, particularly I at the beginning of my story, I talked about how I really don't have a lot of knowledge about the indigenous people in North either. America. I super don't know anything about the indigenous tribes from Alaska. No, I know. And like, I, I, I like like I was going to cover I was going to cover her last week until my mom, you know, sent you the new sent duel. me the new duel, which is so funny. Love it. Um, but like, so I was like, yep, nope, definitely covering her next week, which is great because I actually found some like other things. And she also had the New York Times, obit- like, you know, forgotten obituary or whatever. Yep, overlooked. And that was very interesting. I actually now have a subscription to the New York Times because <gasps> I've, no, because I've read so many articles that it yells at me every time I like go there and they're like, you can't read this article because you've read too many articles this month. Oh, yeah. So I'm like. Fine, I'm gonna subscribe to you for a year and then I'm gonna cancel you. You're so fancy I'm so now. So fancy. The New York Times just oh digital God. though. I'm not getting it in paper because fuck that. You know it's funny. My mom for her, I think it was her birthday a couple years ago, asked for a subscription of the New York Times. So I got her I that. Love your mother. And she got like a little tote bag with it and everything because she she reads it and like the paper and she got paper hey, and good digital. for her. I treat my mom very well. <laughs> I have to As make mothers up. should be Here's treated. the thing. I have to make up for a lot of childhood trauma and by that I mean trauma I you put, put her on through her as you in my yeah. childhood. So All right. Uh, well, we would like to thank you for listening to whining about her story. Please like us on Facebook at Oh, we didn't say what we're thankful for. Oh. You know what? I'm thankful for you. I I'm thankful for you and I'm thankful for my husband and like pushing me to buy new wine stuff and yeah. stuff. So our wine opener doesn't look like uh, uh incendiary bomb. device. Yeah, that that would be good. Yeah, I know this episode's running a little long, so I'm thankful for our podcast growing and, and our all greater of opportunities. I'm thankful for you. You specifically, yes, you. You in the shirt. In the back. In the back. <laughs> in the back. You in the back. Say with the eyes. The people in the back. I'm thankful for you. All right. I love like us on uh, uh, Facebook at Whining About Herstory, Instagram at WAH Pod, Twitter at WAH underscore pod. We have a website, whiningaboutherstory.com, that I just redid a little. Oh, did you? And you can find us on Patreon at Whining About Herstory, and you can find us on Teespring at Whining About Herstory. Yeah, basically, if you just search Whining About History, actually, if you even. Herstory. Herstory. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> actually, you can actually just search. Herstory has never been so tipsy on Google, and we're like the first four results what of, of that as well. What a thing to rank for. We are SEO queens when it comes to that very specific phrase. I, w- I would also like to thank, what was it, like Sweden? 
that were in like the top 50 of was their like Finland? Finland no that's right Sweden we went down in and Finland we went up in and we're like in the but we're in like their top 50 on their history I charts. thought were, we were like 41 so yeah no we went we went up we went up 183 spots on Apple Podcasts Finland education to number 41 so thank you Finland we love you we love it's you Sullen Tuna that was that no that was Sweden I, we I, went down in Sweden. So come on, Sullen Tuna. Get your whole town listening. You know, I, I feel like but we love you, it's a challenge because we constantly say Scandahoobia, and I feel like they're somehow embracing us. I love you. I feel like the whole country is punking us right now. I love you so much, Scandahoobia. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Whining About Herstory. I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. And have an empowered day. Bye. Bye.